The following is Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com. Welcome back. This is Nature of Business, and I'm your host, Chrissy Coughlin. Thank you so much for uh, sticking around. I'm very excited for our interview right now. We have with us Ori Zick. He is the founder and CEO of Energy Points, and he will explain to us in great depth about what Energy Points does, but essentially, they are capturing the value of sustainability with simple numbers and enabling businesses to make quantitative and intuitive environmental sustainability decisions. And prior to Finding uh, to founding Energy Points, uh, Dr. Zick was the founding CEO of HelioFocus, where he currently serves on the board of directors. That's, that company develops solar thermal augmentation for conventional power plants. So we'll talk probably a little bit about HelioFocus too. Welcome, Ori. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for the time. Yo, you're more than welcome. Thank you for the time. Um, so, I got very excited. We met at Ceres, the conference in um, Boston, and we hit it off. And I really enjoyed what you were doing and what you had to say and the way that you explained what your company is doing and how it's set apart. But why don't we start first with with a little bit of background um, about you, because it is a really rich background to how how you've ended up where you are right now with with uh, Energy Points. I grew up in Israel and uh, did a PhD in physics. When I was a PhD student, I also founded uh, the local branch of uh, Greenpeace. So I was combining both environmental campaigning and uh, science, which was quite unique. And then um, in 1997, I moved to industry and started a few companies. Uh, One of them, uh, Quantomics, uh, is the reason why we moved to Boston. It was a medical company, which was the first to do imaging of live uh, tissues in an electron microscope. And then in, in 2007, I started the HelioFocus that you described exactly right. We're doing, uh, we boost conventional power plants with uh, solar energy. Now we're growing uh, in China and in Israel especially. We would like to start working in the U.S. as well. And in uh, 2009, towards 2010, I found out that there is a big hole in our conceptual understanding of environmental sustainability, mainly the fact that we tend to describe it with adjectives, not with numbers. Uh, if people, when people think about their impact on the environment, they don't have any number system like calories or Weight Watchers points or anything that they can quantify their activities intuitively. So, um, so I decided to uh, start Energy Points, a company that builds a very intuitive but yet accurate sustainability language, a way to think quantitatively about uh, the environment. And and here we are. Mm-hmm. So, how long have how long has um, has Energy Points been around? So we've been around. So we st- I started to work on the technology about uh, three years ago. Okay. Um, a year ago, we started the company, and in December we got funded. We raised uh, four and a half million dollars to uh, start a company, and uh, now we have about uh, ten customers that are uh, piloting the product, uh, including a number of universities that are trying to uh, use it to uh, test the various buildings and see who is doing uh, better in terms of their resource consumption. Okay. Now, last week, you very graciously walked me through um, what you do, and I had a visual, and it, it was it was pretty, you know, it's pretty easy to walk through once you see it visually. Um, how 
how would we explain this to our listeners about really the, the, the basic fundamentals of how this works? So we need to start with the uh, things that people understand. And the only energy uh, unit that people understand, especially in the U.S., is a gallon of gasoline. Uh, this is the only thing that is intuitive because kilowatt hours and million BTUs and the rest of the units are not... Um, uh, easy to understand to the average person. Right. And the other problem is that we don't have a way to convert across resources, like how many kilowatt hours relate to consumption of water, which is measured in a totally different unit. So by starting with the um, individual, we decided that our unit of measure will be gallon of gasoline. And that's a very intuitive front end because whatever an executive will see will be just measured in points and a point is a gallon. But the back end needs to be very complex and, and include a lot of parameters. Like, for example, if you measure uh, water in energy, you need to measure how much energy is actually invested in the water, but also how much energy needs to be invested in order to make it um, to harvest water sustainably in the specific location. And to do this back end calculation, we've done, we devoted the last two years to mathematical modeling and data collection. Data include satellite images, um, uh, public data that the DOE and the EPA and the USGS are publishing and so on and so forth. And, and the beauty of what we do, I think, is that in the, this um, intuitive front end that everybody can understand, but then very rigorous and detailed back end in order to get things right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it works similar to miles to what we know, which is miles, miles per gallon, and gallons. So energy points are gallons. Our consumption is typically in the car is miles, and that's something very familiar. Uh, in electricity consumption, we, def- we define a local something that we call EPG, electricity per gallon. So the efficiency in every plug in the U.S. basically can be rated with this number. So if you consume a certain number of kilowatt hours that are a little bit um, abstract to you, it is immediately translated based on the efficiency of electricity that is manufactured in the region into gallons that you can uh, grasp. Okay. That allows us to have a common denominator across all resources, and, and, and with that you can make decisions. You can go on a resource diet, if you will. A resource diet, exactly. Um, so tell me about the, the companies and the entities. You mentioned universities. What is, what is piquing their interest when you speak with them? What, what, what are they saying, ah, oh, this is what we've been looking for? So it is uh, two things. One is that uh, large companies understand, re- started to understand recently that there is a disconnect between their financial expenses and their impact on the environment. Uh, traditionally, companies tended to think that uh, they can rate the water consumption, for example, just by the cost of water. But it turns out that uh, this is totally disconnected. For example, water in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is very dry, is four times more expensive than in Atlanta, Georgia, that has plenty of water. So so that disconnect kind of made people understand that uh, they should rate uh, sustainability uh, independently. So the first thing that people are interested in is this independent rating of sustainability, coming up with a way to combine the financial and sustainability reporting into uh, one report that is based only on number, only on mass, not on adjectives. So that's the first value proposition. And the second is more mundane. Uh, people today have as budget that they want to invest in green activities, in environmental sustainability, but 
they don't know what to do with this budget. What do we do? A drip irrigation, solar panels, a hybrid car, or, or, or a fourth project? And uh, our quantification allows, allows us to um, tell companies what's the best project for their financial constraints. Namely, you have a capital budget that you want to invest, and you know what's the um, return on investment that you want financially, and we allow you to know what's the best sustainability bank for the buck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens then if, if you have a company that even though you get more bang for the buck um, on something that you recommend, they want something that's a little bit more perhaps uh, conspicuous. So if they make the change, the, their, their public interface will the, that they have, they'll, they'll see it. Their customers will say, wow, they're doing it. Let's say a solar panel on a roof. Um, maybe that's not the most viable financially, but at least it's something that may give them a little bit more recognition. That's, that's a great question. So we are, we're as a company and also our business model is to be a calculation engine. We just calculate things right and present the results like a mirror on the wall. Then everybody can make their own decisions. Without knowing the numbers, you're making, you're muddling in the fog. You cannot take, make the decisions. We, we provide the numbers that allows you to make quantitative decisions. Now, if the marketing side of things decides that solar are more visible, visible than um, LED lighting and that's what you want to do, then it's, it's a decision that relates to your corporate. Mm-hmm. But at least you know the numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And are they, are they usually, how disparate are they? Are, when, you're, when you're giving them, let's say, four mm-hmm. choices or four categories, uh, are, are the savings in one category much higher usually than others? Or are they all somewhat within the same ballpark? So um, typically... The ballpark of, say, of financial saving is similar because otherwise they won't go through the, the company's um, selection process. So mm-hmm. typically vendors propose a project which has similar uh, financial return on investment, let's say um, 14 to 18 months. But then the question is what's the best uh, sustainability value? And in terms of uh, desperation, we, we see uh, some kind of a dynamic or even a slight tension between the sustainability officers that are typically newly appointed and the financial officers, uh, because typically decisions are taken by the financial officer and the new sustainability officer doesn't have numbers that his colleagues, his or her colleagues understand mm-hmm. uh, until now. So one way to think about what we do is providing a currency or a quantitative uh, numbers long, uh, to the sustainability officers to mm-hmm. make their uh, arguments. Okay. And for, you know, we did talk about this last week that, that you know, some sustainability officers are going to be a little bit more quantitatively inclined as to others. So are you, when you go in to speak with these companies, are you trying to speak with the sustainability, chief sustainability officer and the financial person each time or who are you sitting down at the table with? So we sit, we sit down with both and the, the operational people typically mm-hmm. and, and help them make their decisions based on, on real numbers. Because currently, maybe I should kind of emphasize the current situation. The current situation is that either they have money, which is, is a decision metric, but we, decide, we discussed uh, the limits of that, 
or CO carbon, uh, greenhouse gas emission, but these are, but carbon numbers are really abstract to people. They're really vague. Yeah. Or uh, other units that uh, all, the all three operations, sustainability and finance, don't understand, like million BTUs and gallon of water and all the normalization. So typically we sit on the table, uh, in the table, near the table without with them and uh, and give them the numbers that facilitate the decisions we by the way uh, prefer to be in the background and then and just provide software that allows them to make the decision we don't intend to visit each and every customer okay Okay. So for those of you who are just joining us, I'm speaking with Ori Zick, who's the founder um, and CEO of Energy Points. So Ori, what about the um, what about the quantitative amount of money that, that your Energy Points is actually helping save companies? What are some numbers here? It turns out that uh, if companies uh, reduce their Energy Points profile or, their, or improve their uh, resource reduce resource consumption, it helps them in a few uh, financial areas. First of all, it typically reduces expenses, just trivia like uh, transportation, uh, um, electricity, and so on. But the other two things that it does for them is it reduces risk. For example, if you set up a, a plant in a place which is about to be uh, dried out because of uh, water um, limitations and you don't know about it, you face tremendous risks that uh, investors and executives are uh, want to know about, and once you reveal it, uh, it improves the decisions and translate directly to the bottom line. Mm. And the third is uh, branding. Imagine you know a company like uh, Coca-Cola. Uh, even if the price of water will be doubled, it will hardly impact their um, uh, cost because water mm. are uh, uh, relatively cheap in the U.S. But on the other hand, if their God forbid will be responsible for drying a watershed in any community, that will have a very negative impact on their financial bottom line. And uh, I think that by quantifying things right, uh, people can avoid those uh, risks. Okay. Okay. So, are they are, when you're going in? I'm, I'm just trying to get a sense of when you go into the companies and you talk about the back end and the the, the real quantitative the algorithms, that this is something that they, are they expected to sort of understand and follow all of that as well as the front end? Um, actually, no. The way it works is very similar to a Weight Watchers points diet, if you want. So, you, you, if you want to go on a diet, you need to to understand how to use the point system. You don't mm -hmm. need essentially to understand how it's calculated. We work in exactly the same way. So, we're very yeah. transparent on the way that things are calculated. But typically, people, especially the executives that we work with, don't have uh, the attention span. So, right. the typical thing right. is that a few engineers are interested and then they get uh, all the information that they want and uh, until they're uh, until they're um, you know either happy or run out of time okay now where where are you you are working with companies where is your geographic um, where are you geographically are you working with so multinationals all over Yes, but we focus primarily in the U.S. Uh, we have we're starting to work in uh, Mexico and have and now starting discussions in Europe and the Pacific Rim. Our office is uh, here in Cambridge, uh, Massachusetts, yeah. and, uh, and and we're expanding 
first of all, in the U.S., the U.S. also has an advantage of um, a lot of available information on resources, and, and, and people are now aware that this information should be uh, transparent and that people will be able to tap into it. And uh, we are um, definitely using it and uh, add our own information to the mix, and, uh, and that's uh, very helpful. Okay, okay. Now, um, we we often hear about the um, car- carbon footprint of a company. We hear, oh, what is your carbon footprint? And then there's sustainability reports. Um, they often they often report on on improvements of uh, you know just re- at the companies have reduced their carbon footprint. Um, how 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 does that work? And how is it ca- how does calculating the energy points differ from this the carbon footprint that we're more familiar with? So. We're taking into account uh, carbon and, uh, trans- and, and allow our customers to translate their energy points profile uh, to carbon. The problem with the carbon footprint is although global warming and climate change are critically important uh, issues and we need to deal with them, the way carbon is measured is highly non-intuitive. You think, ask yourself or any of your colleagues, and I do it all the time, whether they can come up with one number in carbon which is intuitive to them. Maybe the carbon mm. footprint of flying from here to, from Boston to um, San Francisco or whatever. Right. And it it's just a number, right? It, yeah, you just it, say it's just a number and it doesn't really, you know it's it, bad, but you don't know what it means. It doesn't have any context. And, yeah. and if you want to make decisions, the numbers has to have context. The other problem with with carbons, except the fact that it's not intuitive, is that it doesn't take into account properly different resources like water consumption. So people are measuring differently the water footprint and the carbon footprint, and and that doesn't that that impedes database decisions because how how what's what's better to invest in a water saving project or a carbon saving project? Right. And and because of that, carbon kind of develops into a more reporting imperative than a decision support metric. And we want to come up with a metric that supports decisions. And decisions need to be uh, done in a way that you intuitively understand the meaning of the numbers. Otherwise, it, it loses context and, 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 and it's not effective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, how are you working with um, other <laughs> entities such as sustainability consultants and uh, people who are going into these companies and really trying to tackle these issues? Are you working in tandem with them or is this something that you go in as an add-on or how, how is that set up? So, so our, mid, our model is to be the calculation engine inside, the way to empower those, uh, those uh, entities, carbon consultants or stability consultants or enterprise software, etc. So we are not displacing anyone from the marketplace. We just allow all the people in the marketplace to work with one number that people can understand, relate to, and trust the calculations. Okay. And basically, we're the, calcul- the calculation engine inside or, or behind uh, those uh, consulting um, uh, companies. Okay, great. And how many how many employees are you now? We are now fifteen. Okay, and, and we're pardon. And growing. And growing, which is always good. Uh, and where are you expanding? I know you're based in Cambridge. Where where do you see yourself expanding? I know you're primarily in the U.S. now. Um, are you are you all over the U.S.? Are you going to expand even further? Or are you going to go down to let's say Central South America? So 
currently we focused on the US uh, and I think that initially we'll grow in uh, Massachusetts there's plenty of things to do from here uh, sure <laughs> and, and, uh, and and we'll see we'll take it a step at a time okay so what's the what's the um, the last question I have is um, what uh, well actually you know I want to ask a little bit why don't, can you talk a little bit about heliofocus um, yeah, to sure. our audience? So yeah, so Helio Focus is a company that, uh, in a way, relates to energy points in the sense that we build very large parabolic dishes, the world's probably largest uh, solar dishes. And when you build such a large structure, you ask yourself, uh, what's the sustainability impact? Whether how green am I? Can I can I get the calories or Weight Watchers equivalent? So that's that's what started and energy points. In terms of Heliofocus itself, our model is to go to conventional power plants that operate in, in sunny places, and it turns out that uh, there is a good correlation between the solar peak and, um, and, and the peak consumption. So those power plants are trying to uh, provide more electricity on, on, on noontime, typically, mm-hmm. and when the sun is out. So what we propose to them is to replace some of the fossil fuel with uh, solar energy Um, and uh, in order to do that we needed to meet to develop two technologies that were the only ones in the world that have developed one is a way to heat air using solar energy to the design temperature of a gas turbine which is pretty high uh, temperature and uh, couldn't be done uh, before. Uh, if you don't do it to the right temperature, then um, you lose efficiency and, uh, and it doesn't, and the economics doesn't uh, uh, pay off. The other thing that we've developed is a way to fit into the existing permitted area in the power plant. So they don't need to expand, which is critical because typically once you build a power plant, you cannot change the uh, permitted area. Right. And uh, as I said, now in China, uh, the Chinese are building a coal-fired power plant in the uh, Inner Mongolia area, and we're helping um, reduce the carbon footprint or energy points footprint of those plants by uh, adding our dishes. And there's another installation already working in uh, Israel. Wow, that's terrific. Um, I just I thought it'd be fun for the audience to hear about it, because I think it's a really neat company. Um, so... Do you have specific specific companies with whom you're working that you can tell us? I know you mentioned universities, um, and I know we've talked a little bit about it, but what, what companies are, 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 are I mean, maybe even in size, if you can't name specific names, are really you know, interested? Right. So at this point, we cannot name names, but mm-hmm. specific names. But uh, this is, uh, most of our customers are Fortune 500 companies okay. that have enough uh, budget and enough interest to uh, look deeper into sustainability, both from the reporting proje- side and from the uh, project management side. Okay. Okay. So for so the bigger ones. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, this has been fabulous. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's one of those things where you, when you walked me through it, I was, I got it. Um, and I hope our audience, um, you can get on energypoints.com and you can actually, there's a map on there that you can, you can go through and, um, and you can 
really get a lot more information about what's going on in terms of, you know, energy efficiency, water efficiency, solar PV. It's done very well. And I think, uh, I think, you know, I get it. It's just, a, it's, a, it's trying to just take a number here and make it all, all work. And I really love the, the fact that you bring up the, you know, in the water issue, for instance, in Arizona versus Atlanta, because these are things that people need to take into account. If water is more expensive in one region, then it, the calculation is going to be different. Right. Right. So, um, well, thank you, Ori. I appreciate your time. And, um, and yes, and I look forward to um, having you back in the show and, uh, and getting the word out about what you're doing. We should look forward to it. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, Ori. Bye. The proceeding has been Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com. 